You're listening to the Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your favorite CCT personality, JTAC extraordinaire, embracer of the ridiculous face, and like the shortest operator you'll ever meet, Peaches. Well, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, we have quite the episode for you. So welcome to the Ones Ready podcast. We're happy to have you in the team room. And we have a special guest today. We have Colonel Matt Allen, or better known as TMA, the Matt Allen. The Matt Allen. Put some respect on it. (laughs) Got to throw a little bit of respect on that. (laughs) He is the 2-4 Special Operations Wing Commander, uh, a dear friend of mine as well. So I'm really happy to have him. And again, to all the listeners out there, we want to say thank you for supporting us. Please go on the Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, subscribe, leave us a review and comment. Let us know how we're doing. And again, if you have questions, let us know what they are and we'll answer them best we can. So, sir, thanks for joining us. We're really happy to have you. And, And like I mentioned, you and I go back quite a ways, which you know I'm going to bring up later on in the podcast. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it or, or spoiler alert. It. You yeah, know it's coming. That's exactly right. I can see this happening. <laughs> so, so as we as we kick it off, why don't you give us a little bit about your background and tell us about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Peach. Uh, to you, to Aaron, to Trent. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to get on the podcast here. Uh, certainly to Brian, uh, we're missing you, buddy. But congrats as you're going through this process here of a family. Um, and, and then, of course, to your listeners, too, thanks for taking the time out to, to learn a little bit about our culture, about who we are within the Aspect War community, and then specifically today within ST. So um, I, I've been the uh, the wing commander of the 2-4 South for the last year, uh, really enjoyed my entire career there. But I, I started, uh, I guess, as a military brat, so I bounced around, uh, you know, as a, a, an Air Force brat, went to the Air Force Academy, <laughs> Graduated in 99 and opted to come into the special tactics training pipeline was something I was really interested in in doing. And and so ended up progressing through the the community, uh, served uh, in multiple squadrons, uh, you know, and then most recently before coming here came to the 720th uh, special tactics group. And now I'm at the 2-4 sound. And much like uh, much like you all have had multiple deployments over the time, I think I'm at uh, 10 right now, Um, but uh, just excited to be a part of this community, not just because what we do, but the people that comprise this community it's a really unique uh, organization so thanks that's awesome no i mean it, it is unique but uh as you as you know sir i think uh, going back to the very beginning most of our listeners are either pre-career or in the very beginning and so we want to talk about you know i know nothing about being a plebe at the academy or anything else like that but as you went through that process can you is use there that term anymore did you just get canceled is that still kosher can are I still we still to say like was- plebe and dually and stuff I think like it's Dooley. So plebe, I think, is the the, the West Point. Uh, I thought yeah, Dooley is. Yeah, I thought Dooley. Yeah, new, come on, new human. I don't know. Um, no. This is why we're enlisted. This is why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm technically not allowed at the academy, thanks to several different statutes and disciplinary actions. <laughs> I type with my fists. So um, yeah, but is is there anything that you wish you would have known uh, in the very beginning process of your career coming in? Uh, questions that we could have answered. 
Yeah, I guess the um, um, at the time there wasn't a lot known, right? There wasn't a lot of information uh, in the in the late '90s about ST as a capability, and then specifically the career fields that were that were involved. And I think that's probably a similar look across the community, and as people wrestle with the decision. But but what I'll what I'll tell you is. Um, you know, the, the challenge that is associated with not only deciding to come in and preparing to do that, I and mean, you really have to be able to prepare to go through that, but then going through the training pipeline itself was incredibly rewarding. And I just, I didn't know the amount of reward that I would get until I went through, after that, you know, the first couple of courses. And then I realized, man, these are, these are exactly the kind of people that I want to spend time with. So it does take a lot of hard work to get prepared for it. And so, so take it seriously. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, there's an awful lot of reward that comes from as well right i think we, we punch that all the time right like it's you got everything that's worth it comes with struggle and i think that's that's something that's out there in in, in the, the social media sphere coming from all directions these days and you know i don't think we're any different uh follow-up question is why was the 321st your favorite assignment with uh, most of the ones ready crew you know and uh how many article 15s came out of that hey don't answer the second one like the first part is fine the second part's a little right, that's so perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll ignore that. that's perfect that's exactly right so good i, I mean so so i I've, I've enjoyed all the different assignments for various reasons right i don't want to i don't want to politic my way through this one but the, the 321st was really unique from my perspective because you get to get involved in the theater special operations command under Sakir. And now you're you're far left of, of conflict, and you're doing uh, partner nation work. You're you're you know establishing relationships. You're you're setting environmental conditions for us if we ever had to go to war to be you know, rap, you know majorly successful. Uh, but but there were an awful lot of great uh, training trips that were associated with that one. So it was good. Wasn't bad. Norway in the winter time. See those Ooh, northern lights. It's right not there. They were right there. Enjoy the good time. Enjoy the chill. Freezing. Worst places. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Worst places to be. That's right. So, sir, as you moved on out of the squadron level and you started getting more and, and more and more under your umbrella, right? You started off kind of as a, as a flight commander and then moved your way up to, to DO and, and now commander. Speaking specifically about the support AFSCs. So you, you command, what is it? Is it 19 different AFSCs, 21 different AFSCs under your command now? You know, I actually think it's around 50. You know, when you include oh all, gosh, the, all the medical uh, capability that it was with sure, the yeah. organization as well. So there's there's, a, there's an awful lot of folks here. And that's actually a great point. I'm sorry I didn't catch you off on a question. Go ahead. No, that's, that was the exact question. I wanted you to talk about what it's like. And I, I had no idea it was even that scope. I knew it was, you know, always around the squadron, we say 17 or, or 20 or whatever. But, you know, what what's that like? How How is that different? And how is that a challenge to you, even as a special operator? Yeah, so it, it's great, right? So you, you have to realize early on that the, the special mission sets that get assigned to the individual operators, the teams, the flights that are out there, like you can't accomplish any of those things without the robust support system that we have in the organization. You have to rely upon your teammates. And it's just it's not just the folks that are on the ops side. Clearly, some of the, the, the best folks I have worked with in the organizations have been our combat mission support types that are there. But with every single Air Force specialty code, right? So the different jobs that are out there, whether that's supply, whether that's uh, radio maintenance, whether that's uh, our logistics readiness capabilities, there's a different career path and progression that they have to be on. So you want to obviously, you know, pull the unit together towards a, towards unified action and, and get after the mission set of the problem set that you're looking at. You want to do that 
and, and really use all of the talent that you have in the formation. But what you also want to do is professionally develop everybody within the organization and not just focus on one side of the squadron or one portion of the squadron there. And so there, there's some great uh, professional lessons that I have learned over the years of making sure that who, who I need to talk to to find out, okay, how do I really do the right counseling for psych docs? Or how do I do the right counseling for uh, our radio maintenance folks that are out there um, or, or comm officers, or, or now we're going to get logistics readiness officers into the squadrons as well. How do we, how do we make sure that we're taking care of them so they can contribute to the mission set and then be part of the broader air force team as they, as they move on. So that's, that's kind of neat. And then of course, within CMS, of course, you get some wicked talented, wickedly talented people that you want to maintain within the the special tactics or special warfare enterprise writ large. Uh, And so now we're, we're actually, um, I'm grateful that that we have a new AFSC that's aligned for our combat mission support superintendent type. So we can designate people early on to, to roll in. And we are at the, uh, the air force half level uh, trying to align a special duty assignment pay for, for three or four of the AFSCs or the, the jobs within our units on the mission support side. So it's, it's just as important of a function. Um, and, and I think for, for young operator folks that are coming into the organization or young leaders, if you forget about that, um, you know, you'll be quickly reminded when, when portions of your mission set fail, but, uh, but, but you're doing so at, at the cost of your, your own team's effectiveness and your own mission space. So thanks for bringing that up. Absolutely. I, I think it's one of those important things that it tends to get overlooked. It tends to get glossed over and, and you can always put this out there, but you have at every single squadron, you have that one person that's your go-to. You can walk into their office and it doesn't matter what they do. And guess what? That person is always from one of those combat mission support career fields. Absolutely. It's always, it's always the, you know, the front office person that's supposed to be doing a one, but they take on every single important secondary duty. That's the, the person that runs that squadron. Like I'll tell you right now, you, <laughs> you, you may be OAF, you may hash hashtag it up all day and look good in your quad vision night vision goggles, but you do not run that squadron. That, <laughs> that belly button runs that squadron. So, um, right. and it's important for me, for people to hear too, if you want to be part of the ST community, if you want to be around these teams, but these jobs just aren't for you, come on in. Be a, be a rock star vehicle guy. Watch what kind of training a vehicle guy or gal. What, watch kind of, what kind of extra training you get to go on and driving courses and, and team stuff. So I know at our organization, we have people that are our representatives for each flight. So I have a AFE person. I have a Intel person. I have a vehicle person. And we take them and integrate them into our training. So it's a, another great opportunity that ST has. It's just outside of the four career fields. So I thought it was important about it. I wanted to talk about it, Sarah. So I just used you as a well better, a, a much better sounding pivot point to talk about CMS. That's good. Thanks. Dan. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> critical, critical portions of the team and that, that dynamic that you get, right? So you're living in austere places, uh, unclear or uncertain circumstances. You have to rely upon the strengths of the entire team that's around you. And you have people whose, whose significant uh, specialties align with what you're trying to do. So it's a really big portion of, of who we are with an ST and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm proud to call them teammates. Right. Yeah. And I think the, the expectations for those people are, are just as high you know, as, as everybody else. It's, I mean, I, not to keep beating this horse, but I remember as a young guy and you see young guys sometimes may not value it as much because as you go throughout your career and you look back at all those mission support folks and, and everything that they do for you, it becomes more and more clear, uh, just how critical that is. And I, I think Aaron started it. I had to jump on my sub box too. And I'm, I'm sorry. Let's move. <laughs> Chief, this is your opportunity. Your, your first piggyback. 
Is this my first piggyback? <laughs> Your first piggyback. Say behoove. <laughs> we just piggyback. I got saved, saved rounds. <laughs> hey, hey uh, uh, sir, just so you know, we've been joking about, you know, what's going to be my thing once I, once I pin on chief and I, I haven't been issued it yet, but I'm still waiting. We're thinking it's going to be haircuts, maybe uniform infractions or something like that. But kind of like no me, matter like what, no matter what, there's going to be a lot of knife hands. So I kind of I kind of envision knife hands and a lot of energy, a lot of a lot of energy coming out, which would be good. I'm excited for it. Actually, I'm I'm pretty stoked for you as we go through this process. So it'll be good. Right. Well, we, we know yeah. Peach's uh, leadership philosophy. That the base level of it, the core, is the knife hand. A strong knife hand is his leadership uh, philosophy. Uh, so, so sir, what would you say your your core leadership philosophy is, and uh, what do you think has shaped that throughout your career, and has it changed? Yeah, it's really clear for me. It's trusting your people. Really, really clear. Like you, you have to be able to establish that, right? So it's not only trusting yourself clearly, you know, do I have the right expectations? You know, have I been trained the right way? Do I have the right equipment? Do I have the right leadership and guidance? Uh, the, the team that you're working in, that team environment, can I trust somebody else on either side of me to make sure that they have my best interest and I have their best interest in mind? And we hammer that home in the training pipeline and the philosophies that are central to who we are because you're putting your life in someone else's hand and they're putting your life, you know, their, their lives in your hand as well. But, but then as you, as you increase in responsibility and rank, you realize the wicked level of talent that we have within the organization. And you have to be able to trust and empower the people that you have to do the jobs that you have given them and orient them towards that. Right. You have to, you have to be able to verify that, right. You have to go through your own checks and balances system. The air force has processes and ST has processes as well to get through that piece of it. But fundamentally it's, can I, you have to be able to establish that report and the trust. And that's, you know, that's a two way street, right? Like I have to earn that trust as well. I have to earn the, the, the trust of the folks who I get to work with and have the opportunity to, to uh, be in the same unit with. And they have to earn that with me too. But, but the faster you get to earning that trust with your teammates, uh, with your boss, with the, the folks who are working you know, within your organization, the more effective the organization is. And, and if, we, if we pull it back just a little bit more, it's, it's easy to talk about trust and the, the aspect of, can I trust you to do your job? And can you trust me to do my job? But I think the hard piece of trust is, you know, can I trust you enough to still respect me as a teammate if I call you out on something? And I say that, hey, I, I think you're doing it wrong. I think you need to do it a better way. And, and conversely, can I trust you enough as a teammate to tell you, hey, man, I'm having a hard time. I'm having an issue. I'm not running. Um, not, not a hundred percent right now. I got some issues that I'm going through this with. That's part of the humility that I think we learn and, and really reinforce during the training pipeline. Of course, I do care about people's ability to, to you know, achieve physical fitness standards. Uh, but I, but I also care about, uh, like everybody has a breaking point, right? There's all that it will always happen. It just turns into how do you talk about that with your team that's around you? And then what's your threshold for that? Now, you, you, you can always go a lot longer than, than your, uh, and your, and your body tells you, right? It's just your mind driving you through those pieces of it. But those are the aspects of trust that I think are really valuable. And uh, 
I think fundamentally, uh, leadership is a people driven, um, people driven enterprise, right? It's not just about, it's not just about the, the implementation of different designs. Uh, and it's not just about, yeah, I've got to achieve specific mission sets. It's about how do you, how do you inspire and direct your people towards getting after what you're asking them to do? Um, so that, you know, if you were going to ask me in one word, what the leadership philosophy is, it's trust. Right. I think that's one of the reasons we call this the team room, right? Because I think the team room is that that nexus where leadership and followership and brutal honesty meets, and that's where we all develop those uh, those characteristics, and uh, you know, which allows our community to move forward. Because that's where you you know you handle your problems, and then you move out, and then that that trust is you know we can treat each other like people, but when you tell me to go, I'm gonna step out and move smartly and, and do my job right. So I think that's pretty awesome. We, uh, we shy, we shy away from it cause we hate the word, but really, you know, we're, we're looking for trust. And then on that next level is that intimacy. Like, do I know you so well that I know exactly how to say a very, very mean thing to you to where, you know, Hey, it's coming from a good place. And listen, I know this stings, but you know, it's cause I love you and I, I want to be better with you. Um, once you get to that level of intimacy, that, that team room thing really does. Cause you can be like, that was the dumbest thing you've ever said in my entire life. And you know, that's a, you know, not malicious to somebody else, but you walk out of that room and it's like that comment just floats away. Um, you know, as soon as the echoes are are done, you just walk away and it's like, okay, well I did just call my friend stupid, but he was kind of being stupid. So it's, but it's a, it's a good point that you bring up though. Right. So that I think there's internal barriers. Like we, we work in a community and, and really the DOD writ large where we're willing to, we're willing to die for one another. Right. Like you're willing to go into battle space and, 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 uh, cover up your team and, and make sure that you're taking those, uh, you know, the, the more dangerous aspects of the job. But how challenging is it then to go back into the team room trend, exactly as you're saying, and, and then and they call out your teammates for saying, hey, man, like, I, I don't think you're doing it the right way. And then be able to receive that kind of criticism as well. And that's a really important part of it, too. And that's and that's across the board and that's up and down the chain. And if you're not if you're not cultivating an environment where you can trust each other, where you can both give and then receive that critical feedback and you're just limiting, you're limiting yourself and you're limiting your organization from being able to achieve great things. Awesome. You have any uh, like reading any books that uh, that have helped you along the way that have kind of shaped the way that you uh, you do business? I think everybody has a, a couple books that have hit home. Yeah, so so I've got I've got a couple that I, I always hammer home on, and and I, I know you guys had Chief Gilmain on already, so you're going to hear a couple of repeats here, right? So, <laughs> Man's Search for Meaning by Vic Frankel, Victor Frankel, hugely informative to me. Uh, I, I loved reading the book, um, and, and in fact, uh, you know, my wife and I went through a, um, uh, a cancer scare a couple of years ago, right, where she ended up uh, getting diagnosed with a pretty aggressive cancer at an advanced stage. Um, and it was one of those things that she and I talked about often. And that, and that book helped me to reflect upon not only the, the most valuable portions of life, but what do you do when the unimaginable happens? What do you do when really challenging circumstances and scenarios present themselves? The first time I read that was, uh, you know, shortly after the pipeline. And I was going through the, the mentality associated with how do, you, how do you approach really hard problems? And there are so many parallels that were out there, so many great lessons learned. Uh, a big fan of legacy. I passed that out to all our, our squadron command teams. Uh, big fan of, uh, you know, the, the first... Uh, the first principle of sweeping the sheds and the humility that's associated with that from a leadership aspect, really, really valuable and go through that. Um, I, I really have appreciated uh, uh, Secretary Gates, uh, Gates's books. You know, the one that hit home for me the most was duty. I thought that was a really good, really good read as we went through that. Um, 
I think, uh, you know, there, there were man, sorry, once an Eagle by Anton Meyer, I'm a big fan of, and an endurance by Alfred Lansing. So both of those are leadership in small team environments. Once an Eagle talks about an army leader that progresses through the ranks, some of the challenges that he saw, and it has examples of great leaders and examples of really poor leaders. And then who do you want to be in your life? Cause you get to choose what you stand for in life. Uh, and then, and then stepping into endurance, it was the, the, um, expedition in the Arctic that went to, that went South, uh, with Shackleton. And, and then how did he lead through that, uh, through that, uh, environment itself. So it's anarch. So that's good. Nice. Those are the ones that I got. We can edit, we can edit that later on. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were going to have doubles from chief Gomain because chief Gomain named off like 75 books, rapid fire. Like we had to go through back. Like we had to look through the transcript and the buzz were like, I was like, man, this guy's book reading appetite is voracious. He's just out there on that paddleboard, just audible and it up. Just right. that's what happens. Exactly yeah, right. that's what happens when you're doing marathons on a paddleboard. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He, exactly he didn't right. mention he goes on like 20 mile paddleboard rides. <laughs> yeah. and, he didn't, and he didn't mention that to me when I went on the first paddleboard ride with him as well, trying to keep up. It was crushing me. <laughs> <laughs> really so, sir, I don't know if you're aware, uh, though this is not a security breach, but a the ST twenty thirty vision has is out there for for people's you know consumption out on the internet. Yeah. The problem with that is that people they see it in black and white and they expect that that's going to happen and they don't understand that that is a living breathing document that constantly evolves because that is one of the benefits of being soft is that we provide that you know rigid state of flexibility and that it, that ability to to move and change uh, on the fly almost a lot faster than the services. So what changes, so it's kind of a two-part question. What, what deviations have we taken from that as a point of departure? And what is the future for Aspect War? Yeah, so, so good, uh, good questions, clearly. I think, I think part of the ST2030 vision really wanted to establish, uh, you know, force structure in, in, in two main locations. Um, and, then, and then really start to build on uh, really a high level of kinetic activity and what we were, what we were planning on doing. Um, but, but really, that, that document came out, and subsequent to that, we've seen the national defense strategy change, Right. And so, and then we've also seen a correlating decrease in the amount of kinetic activity in, in the current theaters that we're fighting in. So Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, and then places within, uh, within Africa. And, and so this, uh, so, so we realized that as, as a soft entity, right, AFSOC writ large, uh, but then specifically within special tactics and in, in the whole special warfare community, the aspect war community, we realized that, you know, as, we will continue to be involved in the, the counter-violent extremist organization fight. Like that's going to continue to happen. That'll be a soft uh, focus area for the nation. Uh, counterterrorism uh, uh, forces will be will be employed. But we also need to make sure that we are pivoting to and addressing uh, near peer competitors. And we've seen this through you know the, the closest threat would be would be Russia, and that uh, that pacing threat as we start to look out in the distance is definitely China. And this is a war of values. It's a war of ideals. It's a war of partnerships, right? And so, how do we build? partnerships with those that we hold closest to us 
and continue the presence that the United States and the democratic alliances across the world have had for decades to maintain uh, the, the knowledge base that we have right now and to maintain the standard of living and kind of the world order that we, that we currently know. And so what I would, what I would uh, offer to you is that the changes that we've seen in the SD vision, and as we continuously talk about this at the AFSOC levels and even higher is how do you pivot the formation. So number one, you're not losing sight of that counter violent extremist organization fight. We've got people deployed tonight right now, uh, getting their kit on and, and ready to engage these combatants. And how do you also seek to establish yourself and gain competitive advantage uh, in those uh, partner nation building, I'm sorry, partner force exchange kind of, kind of locations. And I think one of the key focus areas that we're going to start really uh, um, getting involved with is a preparation of the environment focus. And as you, as you look at uh, the soft core tasks across the board, really three of them jump out to me for, for being you know, central to what special tactics and aspect war at large, but really within the two force out what we do. And that's the direct action mission set. Uh, that's our special reconnaissance mission set. That's our, our FID mission set itself. You know, we, we also have a, a pretty good contingent of personnel recovery, but that's a subset of direct action um, as we start getting into it. So as we as we look forward to the future, I can imagine we're going to start rebalancing our force, rebalancing our, our focus areas uh, towards those preparation of the environment activities, and then being able to set the environment for, you know, us within soft, but also the, the larger geographic combatant commands to have advantage uh, when we're you know, facing your peer competitors. Sir, did, did you just black out? That was the perfect answer in about one <laughs> sentence. So thanks. I guess we could just end it here, I guess. Sorry, it was, it was a good day. Yeah. To- totally blacked out. Somebody else came. <laughs> totally good day. No, that's, that's absolutely outstanding. I mean, like we get so many questions, you know, where, where is aspect where going? How does, how does special reconnaissance fit into that? Where does a PJ fit into these teams? And for us that, get to hear people like you message this and then we get to hear people downstream message it directly to us and translate it into you know kind of that tactical speak that we need it's it's good to hear that you know the the wing commander has the way forward on this that's a that's a, a pretty solid one so um yeah we're gonna completely switch gears on you sir so All we just way. talked about how how much aspect war is changing we're talking about where it is that we're going as, as a future we're talking about new career fields that don't even have cfetps yet what do you look for easy in kind of <laughs> I'm just saying, touchy, hey, facts Trent. are facts. Very touchy. Facts are facts, man. <laughs> they don't care about your feelings, Trent. Um, but what what do you look for when we're talking about? And you're on with three sled dogs right now, like, and you're young enlisted. You know, we we speak to people that haven't even made that bridge to airmen yet. Like, yeah. no kidding, not even been to basic. And we always talk about you know how to establish yourself and, and kind of how to how to have those have those traits and work on those things what do you look for from your junior enlisted so that you know that you can grow that next generation of AFSPEC war or that next generation of ST what are those baseline personality traits that you look for yeah so so i think you know as we as we go through our assessment selection process a little bit different right cuz we'll we'll look we'll probably talk about that in a little bit but within the within the force right now what i really really value is people of character, men and women of character, right? So it's building upon that foundation of character. And that's something that you get to, you get to find uh, early on in life that you get to reinforce early on in life. And then you build upon that because that's, that's the central portion of who we are and what you are offering. Um, I, I really care about people who embrace growth. 
uh, the, the mentality associated with learning and constantly asking, how can I do it better? How are other people doing these things? I really care about that because that turns into both trainability, but then also there's a, there's a professional curiosity to get yourself better. You know, if we, if we always do the things the way we've always done, we're always going to get right the same thing again and again and again. But what I care about is people who are, who are not afraid to question the status quo and to pull in information. Now, especially in the, in the junior enlisted force and the junior officer force, man, you got to listen, right? You, you got to be able to soak in what people are telling you, but that's part of the, the growth process itself. And then finally, I really, really care about being the absolute best at your job that you can be. Like there's a competitive environment within, you know, both training for and then going through the training pipeline um, on the operational side. And then once you get into your unit and compete to try to be the absolute best at your job that you can be, which, which means that you're talking to more experienced NCOs or senior NCOs, you're pulling officers aside that, that have expertise in different areas, and you're trying to learn as much as you can through the process. And in so doing, not only are you making yourself better, but you're up in the game of your entire team that's around you because people are seeing that hunger and that drive and to, to be able to get after, you know, the competence aspect of our job. Um, and that's, that's really, really valuable in, in any team environment. But I, I, you know, it's, it's all based upon the character of the person. That's the thing that I really value the most. Is there anything that you focus on more for your junior officers that might be different from the enlisted folks? Uh, right off the bat, I think it's understanding uh, principles of command, right? And then realizing that that you will get some understanding and awareness of the tactical mission set. And that's really important for young officers to do because we don't get to spend as much time in the tactical environment. But to, to gain as much as you can and to learn it as quickly as, as possible going through that. So that is that's really listening to the folks who are around you and then being developed by the, the NCO and senior NCO core that's around you. So you know, the, the, you know, the specific tasks that we give our NCOs, of course, is to develop and train the, the enlisted force. But, but the implied task is also to develop the officers who are around them. And I benefited greatly from the NCOs and senior NCOs that I've worked with all the way through, you know, not, not just the pipeline, but all the way through the operational uh, organizations that I've been a part of. And so for that, that officer force to learn and to, to know and understand the, the, uh, the weight of command responsibilities and the weight of, uh, you know, understanding the role that you're going to play both in a small team environment, but then as that fleets up to a flight commander role, potentially DO, potentially squadron commander beyond to, to realize that you are surrounded by subject matter experts and you have to be able to, to learn as much as possible for, from them. And then to realize that you're not going to get a whole lot of hacks at the tactical iterations there as you're going through that. So. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is, I think this is an appropriate question for right here. Right here we now, go. Since I, here since we I already go. Told, <laughs> I'm super I already, excited. I, was like, yeah. I, I already told Let's him I'd it. ask it. Who was your favorite exec? Oh, that's a good one. And I was going to, I was going to go hard pass on that one. In fact, I saw the, uh, <laughs> I saw, I saw potentially there could have been a question on this one, but I was like, yeah, man, I, I don't think I, and, and, and really, I'm waiting for Brian Silva to finish his PA school. So at some point in the yes. future, we could probably bring him back into the two four cell, which I think is a great idea, Peach. So I'm, I'm totally going to run with that. It's my idea now. Okay. It, it's cool. now your idea. I mean, that's okay. I, I oh that. man, 
That's command teams in a nutshell right there. See how that works? Tom. That just happened. That just, that just happened. That's a decision. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll uh, pass that message on to him and start making That's that good. happen. <laughs> That's good. Nice. I hear that exec life is the good life, but. It is. Yeah. It is. That's right. That's good right. times. So, sir, I'm not really sure where you're at with your career, if you're planning on getting out, but where, where are you going from here? Like moving forward, are you staying in ST? Are you, uh, you know further down the road are you gonna you're just gonna leave us and pop smoke and be like good luck y'all i'm gonna go sail away on a boat and, and have a good time what's what's the, your the future plan follow, the classic follow on that's right so so i think what happens next is i probably step into a staff role and for officers that's normal right as you progress through the, the operational uh units you'll step into an operational unit and go to a staff and ops unit and staff and kind of bounce back and forth there so so I was at the 720th for two years prior. I've been here for one year. So the next year, um, at the end of next year, I'll probably step into a staff. But I, I want to be able to participate and and give uh, you know give support and provide support any way that I can to this community. That you know I, I think it clearly has meant a lot to me personally as we've gone through you know as I've gone through the last couple of decades here. But what I think is a real uh, value for the Air Force for SOCOM and for the nation. Uh, and so I, I'm just excited to be a part of it right now. And I, and I hope I get to contribute, uh, you know, moving forward in the future, though not as, not as closely as I'm able to do right now, uh, but to be able to be an advocate is a big deal. I think you're going to miss seeing all the young guys out there. You know, you step away from ops, you're, you're going to miss it, I think. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I know. That's, the, that's the path, my friend. Well, yeah. that's the thing is that hunger never goes away. Like you're, you're, you know, I'm, I'm living a staff life right now. Trent is, uh, you know, Aaron's Aaron's still out there getting after it, but weaseled like, my way into a demotion. It was great. It's great. This <laughs> well, is I'm telling you, the flight chief time right now. It's to get a uh, to get a full uh, you know a full cycle out of it. I uh, could not be any happier, and I'm currently the envy of some of my peers. Well, I mean, you do become a caged animal. So, and apparently, talking to some some chiefs that I know that have retired. They said it, it never goes away. It's always going to be there for the rest of your life. So I have that to look forward to as well as you guys. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's a good point though, right? So, so what, what drives you, like what gets you excited to, to come into work and what gets you excited to, to invest in other people? And I, I think that the people you work with respond to that really well. And, and if you, if you're content with just kind of sitting back and relaxing and, you know, resting on your laurels, like no, nobody responds to that. And that's not the kind of people that we want to have in the organization anyways. Uh, but, but yeah, you're right for the, for the, uh, for the retirement life, as I, as I look ahead, whenever that's going to be, I, I can imagine, you know, trying to find some aggressive hobbies. So that'll be good. <laughs> Unnecessarily putting yourself in danger. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> extreme fly fishing or something. I don't know. I don't That's know. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So our demographic is generally 15 to 35. We've got some younger people and we've got some older people. But what we also have is we actually, surprisingly, I guess from, from me, because I don't know who the hell wants to listen to me, but uh, we have some people within our ranks, you know, the, the special tactics ranks, the Air Force, and even some of our sister services. So what, it, what would be a message that you would want to, to give to them as they either, you know, enjoy following aspect war or come, you know, trying to enter or they're already on team? Yeah. So I guess for the folks that are outside the community, number one, it's worth it. This is a, this is an awesome organization. It's, it's comprised of, uh, you know, the just incredible people. 
and, and they, they bring your game up significantly, right? So this this is all the way back to the the first person that I ever met in training, uh, one Jared Petrus, uh, twenty years ago was uh, you know right in Lackland, which was good. I the very first person or something at the time, or a yes, few. Yes, yes. You weren't he allowed to drive. What? I have one question. He wasn't. He wasn't allowed. What kind of boxes were you using on the pedals to make your feet reach? <laughs> That's nice. That's it. So I was so going to like bring up that story later, but we, we can explore it after this. <laughs> I'll just, I'll jump right in. I'll jump right in. But yeah, being, being sentimental. But, but so, so this, uh, this community is awesome. Like it's an incredible community. And, and while, uh, while you'll see kind of the, the lighthearted back and forth and giving each other a hard time, like we have some incredibly disciplined people within the organization. Not that we have some, but that's who we are. That's, that's the, the, the ethos of the organization is, is that we're able to pivot to and turn towards problem sets in an instant and then be able to, to array our full capability set towards that. But I, I tell you, it, it's, it's worth it. So coming in the community. For the people who are already in the community, I just want to say thanks. I'm really grateful to work with this organization and be a part of who we are I am, I am really excited and, and, and energetic as I start to look towards the future to the things that we are going to be participating in. It's going to be different, right? It's, it'll not be the same as the last 20 years. But if the last 20 years of what Aspect War has done and grown to or any indicate the next 20 years are going to be just as effective as we start looking forward. So thanks, thanks to the people who are out there listening to this and thanks to your families because it's a hard life, but it's a really rewarding life too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I don't think anybody else would uh, would have a differing opinion, or else we wouldn't have been doing it for as long as we have. That's right. So it's, it's an addiction. The, the having people around <laughs> you that that push you forward and always, you know, challenge your best, your version of your best is it's 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 addictive. You know, it, it, once you lose it, you know, you might not realize how good you have it until that's not around you all the time. So that's exactly yeah. right. I mean, the, the people that we have, that we attract and that we retain are, are exactly that. And I think that's what, you know, as I talk to my friends who have, who have gotten out, I, I respect everybody that's, you know, served in any capacity uh, for, for even the shortest amount of time. But but the things that they miss the most are the, the people who are around them. I think is it Jim Rome that talks about you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, right? The things that they like and what they push you to do, what you expect out of yourself. So what, look at your friend's expectations, right? If we're talking to the 15 to 18 year old demographic, uh, what are your friends expecting you to do and what, what is within reasonable and then what's way outside of their, of their comfort zones. And, and that's, you know, this organization and the people that comprise this place have, have been really good at kind of pushing each other to get better at whatever it is we decide to do. So that's a, that's a really healthy part of the organization. Exactly. And if you're not surrounding yourself with people that will force you to get better, or you are hanging out with somebody that happens to be toxic, it will either build you up or tear you down really, really fast. Yeah. So, um, so a little bit of story time, uh, real quick before we wrap this up. Perfect. (laughs) So I, I remember it being uh, 1999 and I was at NDOC and you had not arrived yet. I didn't know of LTA or LT Allen that was showing up until I think it was Bubby. It was either Bubby or Costal told me, Hey, this guy's coming in. You're going to love him. He's fantastic. And then me, I had already been there for a while and it was just kind of amazingly, I'd already had the salt on me. I was already grizzled, you know? That's right, grizzled. Just, yeah, uh, 
<laughs> and then here comes uh, this young, ambitious lieutenant. And, uh, and then that started our pipeline all, I mean, pipeline to now. And I mean, you, you and I, we shared, uh, you know, we went to NDOC together. We went to air traffic control together, combat control uh, school. Then we were on the same team at the 2-1, the blue team. blue team. That's best right. Team. Blue team, best team. <laughs> With how dare you? How dare you? How dare you ever say that? You know, Silver Team to quote J Mac, strong as shit. <laughs> good, that's good. And and I mean, I'm, how I'm not going to say that we team. that we were the best team, but I mean, we did have some pipe hitters in terms of you know we had Bullet Bob, we had uh, one each Nielsen, Kendall, yeah. like so we had some pipe hitters, yeah. I mean, you know. And then, you know, you go and you do you take the route that you did and then you're DO for us at the 321st and then the 720th commander for us and the 24 South commander. So it's pretty awesome. And, and one of the things that, um, and I'm going to throw it out there because I'm not sure if it's embarrassing. It definitely won't be embarrassing to you, but it'll be embarrassing more so to me. So I'll just take that. Um, I'm sure you remember this. But we were at a concert in North Carolina back in 2003, and uh, whatever concert it was, I, I don't remember. But no, this is important. This, it's 2003. Okay, this could be a Limp okay, Bizkit concert. This could be a Nickelback concert. This could be a Papa Roach concert. It was this could be Blink-182. See? Okay. Which isn't bad. Kind of respectful. That's right. Respectable. Yeah. Right. Anyway, <laughs> it's so okay. Yeah. Our, you know, we're in Raleigh and uh, these two guys, some of our buddies were drinking and we, we kind of gotten separated because of this concert and they got jumped. And funny enough, yeah. they're the ones that got arrested, not the guys that, that initiated the fight. And I'm sure our guys weren't completely innocent, but whatever. Um, these guys <laughs> ended up finding us in the parking lot and we, we handled business appropriately yeah. but nevertheless two of our buddies are still in jail so if you're not familiar with the geograph uh, geography of it raleigh to to fayetteville area is you know an hour hour and a half right so we call one each matt allen or captain matt allen at the time and say hey we got in a spot of trouble need you to come bail us out and not me not me just the two Not individuals. You. I remember Not the me. two individuals specifically on this one yeah, yeah, as, yeah, I, yeah. as I yeah. reflect back on this. And we won't say any names. We won't say any names. Nope. But yeah, nope. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't this. dare. But they, they both this. listen. I, I'll tell you, they both listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's good guys, man. Yeah, that's right. Great guys. So um, as you come in the middle of the night and you talk to the cops, you end up getting them out free of charge, no issues, right? I, I turn to you and I say, Hey, so can we have late reporting tomorrow? Because, you know, it's really late. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Old senior. Was man, I smiling? Senior, I, don't, I mean, what's the boss going to do? Be mad at you? Like, what? He might no, he as well just, go he just for it. Gave, I don't think he I just, was smiling when you, when, you, when you asked me that. No, no, you weren't. You weren't. Are you just like kind of one of those? Seriously? Like, that's. No. You're going to really? be in that's a zero plan. seven. That's your passion. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Is this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? <laughs> that's that's, that's exactly the ask. 
that's fantastic. It. It's like being late. If you're late, just stop on the way, get donuts, get coffee, just be late stop. for everybody, and that's, that's it. Ex- you, there's no point. That's exactly yeah. right. You know, I I remember that. I remember that pretty well. I, I remember just going, "You got to be kidding me!" It was like a two, like a hour and a half drive up there or something like that. And I remember having to report into the commander later on and kind of going, "I'm just going. This is." This is nuts. But that was actually, I think that was just prior to our deployment or our push over to, uh, to Jordan, right. As we stepped into uh, yeah, Iraq, I think the OIF kickoff. And I, and I was thinking, man, how do we, how do we make sure that we're, uh, that we're full up in the, in a capability piece here and, and still address, you know, what's going on. So it was good. Yeah. I remember, remember that business yeah. <laughs> guys. Thanks for bringing that up. Peach. Good. We, we actually have a lot of stories, but there's just not enough time and I don't want to incriminate anybody else either. I so. got bad news. That yeah. one's not making it in either big guy. What are you doing? How about that? So, so I, re- I remember a concert Peach. I remember going to an incubus concert with you up in Raleigh. Are you tracking any of this? You remember oh, any yeah. of those pieces, yeah. right? I, I, I remember it very stuff. well. It was like 04 or 03, 04. And I remember specifically, um, you know, just getting my ears blasted out and just going, this is awesome. And I looked over at Peach, who had massive amounts of cotton balls, like just jammed in his ears, like just rocking it. Like, this is so great. And I'm like, I'm an idiot for not bringing that. He looked like you know, like such an old dude in the middle of a concert but I was like, but that's also genius. And, you know, I've got hearing problems now. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't. So, so clearly, clearly I should have learned, learned about that one. <laughs> yeah. Something about following NCOs or, or something. I don't know. <laughs> something about that. Something about trusting your people. I'm not really sure. That's right. Nice. <laughs> nice. Somebody talked talk about that. <laughs> and, we, and we bring it all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, right. <laughs> perfect that's time. It. Perfect time for a wrap up. Perfect, Peach. perfect time. That's well done. All right. Nice. Well, uh, before we wrap it up, I want to say thank you. I mean, it, you're an awesome human, awesome human, and I love being around you. And I mean, even though I'm not in your command right now, I'm coming back to your command. So I look yes, forward to, to doing that. So yeah. thanks for joining us. Um, and for everybody else, check out Colonel Allen's reading list. We'll, we will publish it in the comments section of this. Really kind of reflect on what he said. I think the, one of the key things that he talked about was trust. Uh, and and we have talked about that numerous times on this podcast, and we've we've also brought up you know transparency and open communication. All of those things are tied in together because without the trust, you can't have open communication. You can't have transparency because you're too worried about what is going to be you know what is going to be said, what kind of judgment are you getting, or anything like that. So I think trust really is that foundational part of being a good leader and a good follower because you know that you have to be able to do both and and go back and forth it is not just you're always a leader or you're always a follower because like we mentioned there's going to be times when you're an e2 or or not you know you're an e1 in training and guess what no one's taking charge or somebody needs to take charge and that could be you so Um, Sir, again, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate having you. And unless you got any final thoughts, we're out of here. All right. Everybody train hard. Thanks, sir. Train hard. Appreciate it.